GD Vakorja and uh, Chris McManus, MEP Midlands North West here. And I want to welcome you today to the European Parliament here in Brussels, where we are launching the academic research paper entitled Making the Case for Irish Unity in the EU, uh, authored by Professor Colin Harvey and Mark Bassett. Uh, and I'm delighted that we are being joined today by the two authors, Colin and Mark, and also by my colleague Martina Anderson, former MEP and head of European Outreach for Sinn Féin. So, Colin and Mark, First things first, can you maybe just tell us a bit more about the report and maybe your approach in uh, uh, how you uh, came to put it together? Well, maybe if just start uh, the discussion, Chris. First of all, delighted to be here and delighted to actually launch uh, the report today. As you know, the report is an independent legal and academic report produced by myself and, and Mark. And it really follows on from our 2019 report about essentially the role of the European Union in the debate around the United Ireland. I suppose a, you know, a number of introductory points would really be this is a Good Friday Agreement conversation in a sense. Obviously the choice is there in the Good Friday Agreement. Brexit has intensified the interest in this debate. You know, in the report we talk about the state of the current constitutional conversation. The amount of research that's being done is really, really quite remarkable. You know, and that's, that's very, very welcome to see. A lot of people are engaged in this discussion. I suppose the headline really ultimately is there's now an automatic way back to the Europe. There, there is an automatic way back to the European Union. European Council's made that clear in April 2017. So really what the report is doing, following on from our earlier report, is, is spelling out the, the implications of that. I think today really to say that, you know, the first available way back to the European Union is via the Good Friday Agreement. And what we want to make clear is that you know, there's a lot of planning and preparing going on, but really, is the European Union doing enough? And I suppose our sense is not at the moment, and it could do more. And we're really saying today in our report that, the, you know, the legal space, there's no legal impediment to the European Union becoming involved in all this. Could ultimately, in a sense, change in Ireland will be happening in a member state of the European Union. So moving on from our earlier report, we're really looking to the European Union really to engage in much more detail around the planning and preparing. Because really, you know, the EU at the moment is about the odd person out in this. A lot of other people are doing the work and I think the EU needs to step up. And if Mark, if the 2019 report was uh, about how this report is much more about why uh, there needs to be, the EU needs to engage and start talking about Irish unity. Yes, uh, good morning, Chris, and uh, thanks very much again for the opportunity to, to come here today and to present uh, the report and explain what it's about. Yes, the, the 2019 report uh, was intended uh, as an exploration of planning and preparation, preparing for constitutional change in Ireland. This report, uh, the intention is that it would be read by audiences across the continent and it's looking at uh, the it's hoping to look at the merits of united ireland uh, from the perspective of the european institutions uh, we we think that there are referendums on constitutional change coming on the horizon uh, there's going to be a binary choice for uh, the electorates north and south uh, one option is the status quo it's Northern Ireland in a union with Britain, outside of the European Union and in a protocol. Uh, the alternative is uh, a reunified Ireland 
full member state. And we think that that is going to have uh, consequences for the European institutions, uh, for the member state governments. And it's time to look at uh, the merits uh, of that uh, for, for those audiences. So this report uh, hopefully explains that there's no legal impediments. You know, we, we examine the protocol, we examine the treaties, we examine uh, Irish and UK constitutional law. And, and we can't find any good reason why it, it could be said that the EU cannot adopt a policy position with regard to, to Irish unification. There was one with regard to German unification. There is one with uh, the partition of, of Cyprus. So we're hoping that uh, this report is, is a first step in uh, starting a conversation, an examination of the merits of Irish unity uh, for those audiences. Because I suppose one of the things we want to ensure when a referendum is held regarding the issue of Irish unity is, is that people are going into it with full information, unlike what happened uh, at the Brexit referendum where the, the, the Irish question was not even part of the discourse. So this, I assume, is, is part of that wider need to have a full and open conversation about what Irish unity would look like. Yes, hopefully so. I mean, one of the criticisms of the Brexit referendum was that the, uh, the case for leave was never uh, kind of adequately pinned down. Uh, another possible criticism of the Brexit referendum was that the, there was a, a definite reluctance on uh, European national governments to comment upon the actual consequences of UK withdrawal from the European Union. Uh, may, maybe the same could be said. Uh, some aspects of the institution. So the EU has a role in explaining clearly and dispassionately what the consequences are for a reunified Ireland as a, as a member state of uh, the European Union. We've touched on some of it in the report. Uh, the, you know, the, there's going to be a change in representation in the institutions. Uh, one possible point of difficulty, we think, is that the status of British citizens resident in Ireland needs specific protections for uh, free movement rights, for, for voting rights, and that that's going to require a reaction uh, from the lawmaking institutions here uh, on the continent. So that, that's some of, the, you know, some of the points that are, that are made in the reports. The other is uh, the economic and monetary union consequences for, for United Ireland. Now, we've tried to identify uh, the relevant law, give a you know, a straightforward explanation for it. But a lot of that work is going to have to be taken on by others, by uh, e economists uh, also. And Colin, you're well known as a, a leading voice within Ireland's future. So how does this report add to the constitutional conversation that's going on back home in Ireland? One of the things the report points out is just how many people are collectively engaged in this preparatory work now. And I have to say, it's, it's really, really heartening to see whether that's within universities and research institutes. Political parties are also doing thinking around this. The work of the Shared Island Unit, you know, the work of Ireland's future as well. I think everybody is really you know, motivated by the sense that Brexit, the Brexit referendum was a shambolic mess and it hasn't worked out particularly well uh, following all of that. So nobody wants to repeat that on the island of Ireland. So what's really remarkable about the conversation that's happening in Ireland is, you know, it's really in many ways a, a, a dignified, responsible conversation about getting this right. You know, United Ireland is, in a sense, forever. And 
nobody's calling for a referendum necessarily tomorrow morning, but we want to do the work in advance so that when people are asked the question in the Good Friday Agreement, the question that will involve re-entry to the European Union, they know fully the consequences of their decision. And I think that's utterly commendable in terms of that collective effort. But I suppose what we're doing today and the discussion today is, you know, we have a sense that the EU element of that is still underexplored. You'll know that every day you wake up and people talk about the protocol, and the protocol is important, and it's an important mitigating uh, factor. But there's automatic EU re-entry, you know, the best possible option in many ways that is still under-discussed. I suppose today is about really raising the profile once again of that EU re-entry option that there is waiting for people. They should know about it. And this report is part of that really larger collective conversation that's happening across the island of Ireland now. And it's really, really heartening to see it. And Martina, while we know that conversation is being had across the island of Ireland, uh, as uh, somebody who's involved in European outreach and engaging at you know, national parliament level, not only with governments, but also with parliamentarians, with NGOs, with academics, with other civic society uh, across Europe. Uh, how does this document uh, assist that discussion that you're having uh, at a European level? Well, um, like others, thank you for, for having us here. Thank the group for, for launching this and commissioning this report. Um, as you said, the first report was about how the EU could plan and prepare for constitutional change in Ireland, and that set that out very well. This report is dealing with why they should make the case for Irish unity. And across continental Europe, you're finding that people are engaging in this conversation with you. Um, I'm finding, whether it's diplomats, parliamentarians and others, many people are asking us, when will the referendum be? It's almost like an assumption now, out there across continental Europe, that Ireland will hold. And of course, there will be a referendum on Irish unity. But picking up on the points that both Colin and Mark have made, the EU was rightly critical of the British government for not planning and preparing properly for leaving the EU. And there is a potential criticism that the EU could face if it doesn't properly plan and prepare for Irish unity, because Irish unity will impact on EU competency. You know, you will find it across the EU, these institutions and others will have to make alterations and change as a consequence of Irish reunification. So the reasons why they should do it is set out is very clear. And national parliaments too, and I think it was welcome um, when we heard at the weekend that the Spanish Foreign Affairs Minister has told us that in Spain that they are putting contingency plans in place for Irish unity. So this report enables me to inform continental Europe outside of these institutions. This report speaks to the EU, it speaks to the Commission, it speaks to the European Parliament, but it also speaks to national parliaments as well. And as you know, as someone I know you were in London last week, Chris, and you know that the awareness of the Good Friday Agreement here in this institution is by far greater in terms of knowledge than what it would be, for instance, in London and Westminster. So, and that's the same across continental Europe. They know that the Good Friday Agreement is not a pro-Republican 
document. They know it is not a pro-unionist document, but they also know that it's not neutral on our right to self-determination. That has been won, and we have got a peaceful, democratic pathway back into the EU, and that is why it is important for the EU to plan and prepare for the constitutional change in Ireland that I believe, and many more like me, is coming. Thank you, Martina. And if, Colin, maybe I can change the subject matter slightly. Uh, you know, people are obviously well aware that you've been subject to quite uh, an awful lot of uh, abuse um, connecting, connected with the work that you're doing uh, as an academic within Queen's, but around the, you know, your involvement with Ireland's future, uh, around being, you know, being authoring reports like this. Uh, how does that impact uh, on your work? I suppose the first thing is, Chris, there's been a fairly well-documented campaign and I've spoken very openly about that. And the reason for doing that is I do want to call that out publicly and you know, let people know that that's happening, but also challenge it as well. Because in a sense, how will it affect... It won't affect my work at all in terms of continuing to do the work that I've been doing over many years. I won't be derailed or distracted, really, from doing that. I'll continue. But there's a bigger collective question here. I think it's a strategic question for all of... All of us really involved in the conversation about a united Ireland is carving out the space to have this discussion about constitutional change in a peaceful and democratic way, guided by the Good Friday Agreement. So there's my own situation, which is well known, and, and, and in terms of the role of political parties and social media and traditional media, and just the, the storm that's been really created around my role at, at Queen's in, in this work. Like I see myself in as living out the words of the Good Friday Agreement, mm -hmm. of taking those seriously and realising those in practice. So I tend to continue with that. But the bigger question really for all of us and really the bigger question for, for anybody listening to this is this discussion is going to grow, expand and intensify. And we need to protect the space that people are safe and secure in entering this. You know, because it's peaceful and democratic means only framed by the Good Friday Agreement. So those who are using really dangerous and irresponsible uh, language around this, they do need to be challenged around it because um, people need to be safe and secure in entering an entirely legitimate conversation about a choice that's there in the Good Friday Agreement that everybody loves, everybody will be celebrating, you know, almost everyone the Good Friday Agreement uh, next year. Well, you know, I'm taking seriously those words and people need to be protected to enter that space. Thank you for, very much for that, Colin. Uh, and I just want to conclude by thanking yourself. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Martina, for joining us uh, out here in Brussels today. Yes, and uh, again, you know, we're, we're launching this piece of research, which I think will add further to that conversation we're having within the EU institutions. Uh, and as I said, it will give those of us who politically are involved in the, uh, you know, trying to get, get to that path of Irish unity, it will give us uh, a further tool to be able to articulate that, especially out here uh, within Europe. So once again, I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, the report will be available uh, online. Uh, and with that, again, thank you and stay safe.